When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Of radio. You are listening to Texas History Lessons, a slow walk through Texas history made in Texas by a Texan for everyone everywhere. Welcome to Texas History Lessons. I'm Michael. And in this episode, we're going to try something a little bit different. Now, since you listen to the podcast, you probably share my love for learning new things. It's one of the reasons I do the podcast, and it's a very big reason for why I listen to other podcasts. Now, early on in the history of this podcast, I was lucky enough to find some encouragement and support from some fellow people that do podcasts. One of whom, Josh, invited me to do a show swap. He did an episode for THL, and I did one for the Wild West Extravaganza. Now, this isn't quite the same as that, but it's something I'm doing because I found a new podcast that is both very informative and a lot of fun to listen to. Now, a lot of big networks do this all the time to introduce new podcasts to their big audiences. And while Texas History Lessons isn't necessarily a big, huge podcast or about to win an award anytime soon, I thought that it would be a good thing to do, to share it with you, and therefore it'd be good for you listeners to maybe find something new to where you could learn and have fun. And hopefully it'll be good for the the new podcast I'm about to introduce. If even just a few of you become regular listeners like I am. Now the name of the podcast is Dicta. D-I-C-T-A with a period. I know, I didn't know what it means either. But I learned from listening that it's a legal term. And Dicta are something along the lines of judicial opinions that are expressed by the judges on points that don't necessarily arise in the case. That's one way of explaining it, I found. And the podcast is about the cases that have made us as a nation that shaped the United States. In it, they explore the United States Constitution and the decisions made by the United States Supreme Court. And the goal is to help the listeners understand the relationship we have with the law. It's a very important subject and I'm not necessarily sure if you're like me, but it's something that I need to be better educated about. The hosts of Dicta are Ian and Casey. Now, they met while in law school and they informed me a couple of things about them to help me better understand where they're coming from. Ian's passion for the American Constitution 
stems from being selected by former White House counsel to participate in a reading group, which focused on the origins of early colonial charters and the United States Constitution. Casey's dedication to the American experience has taken many different forms, including coursework on civil rights, constitutional law, and professional experiences in government contracts and global trade regulations. As they shared with me, put simply, Ian and Casey are just two guys passionate about the law and the great experiment that is America. And the Dicta Podcast is their journey to understand how the American experiment is unfolding and how the Supreme Court has shaped the Constitution and, most importantly, the American citizen's relationship with it. Just like Texas History Lessons was in the beginning and to some extent still is, Ian and Casey have hopes to become more engaging, accessible, and entertaining as Dicta continues to grow. They've done episodes on California v. Acevedo, Bush v. Gore, Griswold v. Connecticut, the FEC versus Cruz, and most recently the Reapportionment Act of 1929. I didn't know that much about these cases, but I am very happy to have learned about these cases on Dicta. It's a part of education and understanding that we should try to know more about to be good citizens and to be able to participate in the discussions regarding our nation. So I want to thank them for letting me share it, and they wanted me to express their gratitude to the Texas History Lessons community for listening. So be sure to go and check out more of their episodes. Now, the episode I'm about to play, I requested this one in specific because it deals with a topic that I think about a lot. And it's going to have a lot to do with a few episodes I release in the very near future. Now, this particular title of this one is Should We Revere the Founding Fathers? Now, don't jump to conclusions already. You'll probably be interested to hear the answer because the way Ian approaches the issue is pretty similar to the way I look at it and try to deal with it. So, enough from me. Let's get on with the show. A quick note before this episode begins, you're going to hear a lot of pauses throughout this. I'm leaving those in. I think they're important for the narrative sake of this episode. So it's not a particularly long episode, but I'm leaving in a lot of the spaces and pauses and stuttering and thought that I would typically edit out. So enjoy this week's episode. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to Dicta, a podcast about the Supreme Court, the U.S. Constitution, and most importantly, our relationship with both as American citizens. As always, please feel free to call me Ian, and this week, I'll be discussing whether or not we should be revering the Founding Fathers. Casey is unavailable this week. So, 
Should we revere the Founding Fathers? First, I guess we should probably define some of those words. What is revering and what's reverence? Who are the Founding Fathers? And who, who who's we? So, I think, for me, I'm going to define reverence for this conversation. It best should be understood as remembrance with admiration and aspiration. So in this context, when there's a discussion of the Founding Fathers, should the conversation largely surround their accomplishments and contributions to the founding of the United States of America? Um, who are the Founding Fathers? For me, uh, the collection mostly should consist of John Adams, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, and Alexander Hamilton. Um, so we got, what, you know, five or so of the first presidents, Benjamin Franklin, and Alexander Hamilton. Obviously, there are many other statesmen, revolutionaries, and early patriots that could be, and you may even think should be, included in this list. Uh, for me, honorable mentions probably would go to John Jay, the first Supreme Court Justice, Paul Revere, and Patrick Henry, but I think largely Franklin, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, Washington, and Hamilton should be, you know, the uh, the core focus um, when uh, when I say founding fathers. And so finally, who's we? Well, in this context, when I say whether we should reveal the founding fathers, I guess I kind of mean the collective American zeitgeist, the collective conscious and general understanding of our history as Americans. But that's all kind of nonsense and bullshit because there's really no consensus on the narrative of American history. So, you know, an, an individual should believe, espouse, and advocate whatever your personal belief in this is, and hopefully it's rooted in some form of research rather than just pure personal notions and emotion, which that being said, I don't, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be. It's your personal opinion. So to the extent that you think that they should be triumphed and sanctified, wonderful to the extent you believe it should, they should be viewed as critically and viewed as harmful. Fantastic. What you believe in great, but I guess ultimately what I hope to achieve with this is to spark the thought in how we should introduce the founding fathers within the context of maybe, I guess, public education for the younger adolescents. So for a young American being educated in these school, in our, in our school system, when you're in kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, what is, how, are teachers, curriculum, presenting the story of our founding father and simply how you form your own opinion. So I think that's a pretty good base in framing this conversation. So I think it'd be unfair for me to talk about this without giving my personal opinion on this, which is just that personal opinion which carries no weights or a lot of weights or somewhere in the middle. And to be as exact as possible and not to avoid a yes or no, my answer is yes. I think the founding fathers should be revered within America. Of course, 
there's a huge asterisk there. But before I get into the asterisk, let me first explain why I think the answer is generally yes. The Founding Fathers' collective body of work and their importance not only to the United States, but to the development of representative democracies is profound. The American Revolution and the drafting of the Constitution was the manifestation and the product of the work of centuries of enlightened thinkers, such as Locke, Rousseau, Hume, Kant, and so many others. And also, I have no doubt um, the, there were other parallel thoughts of other thinkers and writers in other parts of the world. Um, the Founding Fathers' rejection of monarchy, the advocation for a representative democracy, uh, the formation of a government with checks and balances is nothing less than extraordinary. Further, I'm a relative advocate of the idea of a nation-state, which I think the United States largely is, and the importance of national icons and that national identity um, is super beneficial in framing what we understand as being an American. So for me, I'd like to think of revering the Founding Fathers. And I think a good way for me personally to rationalize this in context of a lot of evils and bad acts that they perpetrated and permitted and participated in is Jeff Tweedy's apropos lyric, which is, all my lives are always wishes. And I guess that's part of it is that I want to buy the lie of the Founding Fathers. I want to get this manufactured, prepackaged, constructed version of the Founding Fathers because it's rooted in reality. But we need to ignore a lot of their personal, personal problems and the problems that they permitted within the governmental development of America. So that's that's why I want to revere them and why I generally do. That being said, there are as as profound and important as their contributions were for me their foibles and evils are equally as looming. Um, which is why there, I have such an issue with my, which is why I struggle with reviewing them. And I think in largest part is it goes to the American original sin, which is the purchasing, owning, trading, murder, and forced labor of human beings from the African continent that were brought to the American colonies. Uh, and, were owned by many of the founding fathers. That's followed closely by the eradication, subjugation, cattling, and contract breaching um, perpetrated by the founding fathers to the indigenous population of the American continent. Uh, continent. And you know, every founding of all nations are to some extent related to a uh, violent, violent taking possession of land that was presumably 
um, occupied by a pre-existing population. Um, the genocide that was committed against the indigenous Americans by our, by the, I shouldn't say our, by the ancestors of the founding fathers and continued through the founding fathers is somewhat different than the early European conflicts between Celtic and barbarous tribes and units and then the formation of Grecian city-states and the development of the Roman Empire and that of the Near East. Um, But beyond that, I think for me personally, there's issues also with there were agreements between colonial powers and what would eventually become the U.S., which then were ignored later. So there's also just simply contract breaching. That's followed by the lack of influence, input, and the denial of citizenship and engagement and civic engagement, denial of those, of women in early America and rejection of the founding fathers and their ability to influence most of them. There are obviously some who valued the input of women. John Adams was, I guess you would consider him an early feminist. Um, And then finally, all those big issues with the part and parcel with their role in finding America, you look at their personal failings, their extramarital, extramarital affairs, their personal animosities between each other, their financial destitution and poor investments, and alcohol dependencies for many. Um, so there's a, there's a lot to not only be critical of, but demonize, reject, and equate to individuals that we should not only not revere, but we should we should um, challenge and and reject. Uh, I know it's bizarre, and uh, I understand all these evils and nefarious. Uh, acts and bad conduct by these individual men, I, I still find a way to think the product of their, of their work should be revered. And uh, I wish there was a way to separate the work product from them. And obviously there absolutely is. But then I get into the issue of the nation state and these, the icons and how we, how we, what we think of as Americans and how we are Americans. So that's kind of my viewpoint of this. And then we get into big conversation is kind of like what we should do. Uh, So look, I think a, I think a great source and a lot of how I frame the, my understanding of the founding fathers is looking at the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, and for me, most important, most important is Madison's notes from the Constitutional Convention. 
where you see the the debate and engagement of the founding fathers and kind of behind the veil and what is their true nature in in the respect of to the extent that you can gauge that from the writings of a single individual who was taking notes from these other men. And if you look at those, they were not, this is not where, you know, can we, can we judge their bad acts in retrospect that obviously hindsight is 2020 were the, were their failings, simply failings of the time, and are we being too harsh? The answer is no. If you read through those, there was an acute awareness of the inequalities and unreasonableness, and that's actually, I'm, I'm reading a quote, there was so much inequality and unreasonableness in all of this, and they were discussing the difference between the laboring of the North and the South. And quite literally, there's another quote that they viewed uh, the difference between the interests of the country, not urban and rural or, or different uh, categorizations, but that between North and South based on slavery. So this, this, this reimagining of history and states' rights versus federal government oversight, the, the understanding and debate not debate, the understanding was slavery was an evil practice. But, or I shouldn't say, there were, the during the late 18th century and early 19th century, uh, abolition and the advocacy of not owning and forced labor and trading of what would be a population that was born into slavery within the United States, forced bondage, forced ownership of human beings based on their skin and being of African descent um, was not this idea. It's like, oh, you know, there was, there was a conversation. It, there, the, the northern states, which have their own prejudices, bias, and racist um statutes and and uh, uh tremendous issues it's not it's not the idea like oh you know th- it was known that this was a a problem and that those 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 men who were advocating the upholding of domestic slavery it, it, they were not ignorant of the fact that there were people who found it a as I quote uh, from Governor Morris in in uh, the constitutional notes, that it was a nefarious institution. It was the curse of heaven on the states where it prevailed. Um, so, how do we, we being the collective us, handle this in introducing young Americans? to the founding fathers and the chopping of the cherry tree and believing that all men are created equal and the rejection of the monarch and advocating a government that is representative of its populace. And 
I think we need to present a largely holistic view at a young age. I think the narrative should be that the Founding Fathers accomplished and advocated and sought to create a government and nation that would be composed of their best components. But that reverence needs to be checked and understood that the formation of that government perpetrated a racist institution of slavery. And now, how do you communicate that to young Americans? in classrooms without making them feel not guilty that that, uh, guilt is not a terrible thing to feel because guilt is the origins of guilt is empathy, um, which is a tremendous uh, emotion and important, you know, uh, part of the development. And I think really, you know, to want to to wonder is to begin to understand and it allows you know a more full understanding of of these founding fathers so we need to i guess frame this national discussion and collective understanding of the founding fathers in perhaps Jeff Jeff Tweedy's lyrics all my lies are always wishes that and I think this is the danger of any iconolatry system when you seek to sanctify and revere the individual based on their accomplishments, you have to then take the person as the whole. Where if you want to treat the constitution as an amazing piece of writing and formation of government, you can remove the authors and the inputs. Look, the formation of the Constitution, there's huge problems there. I still think, you know, I think Winston Churchill's quote about, you know, democracy is the worst government, but, you know, better than the rest um, is very apropos. But when you really kind of dig into how the, the, literally the form of the government and how we have divided the House of Representatives and the Senate and their origins is extremely um, eye-opening in that how critical race played in the formation of that. Um, but, well, that's part and parcel of the conversation. It's a deviation of the stream of thought I was saying is that if we are going to revere the founding fathers and introduce them as persons to our histories that should be remembered and should be aspired to is that 
these individuals are almost characters that the George Washington taught is an idea. The Thomas Jefferson taught is an idea. And this is what we wish they were. That's not what they were. We're teaching an idea through a, through a physical representation of a, of a person, but it's a fantasy. The, 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 what we're teaching them is obviously rooted in far more truth than those two, but even the people, even the, the founding fathers I revere are, are a fantasy, not real. And I, I guess for me, this is, this is almost unlistenable, but I guess, you know, this, this is good uh, to the extent that it, it, I think thinking like this is kind of the goal of this podcast total. It also goes to the quote that, you know, you know we're not final because we're, we're, we're fallible. We're infallible only because we're final. Um, that and I, the, the the connectedness of those two is that the 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 objective truth is is not the concern of the Supreme Court, and also kind of with, within this context is that it, it's 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 not objective. There's there's so much subjectivity to this, and even to the extent that there is objective truth, that there are are huge parts of the body of the founding fathers that is not only problematic is the awful way to put it. It's, it's diminutive and and uh, and almost. Uh, insulting to describe them as that. So, rambling a bit here, why, when, I guess within context of this and also in context of every episode of this podcast, is I don't, I'm not seeking to convince anyone of anything. Um, Our discussions of cases I'm not seeking to uh, uh, convince you that a case is right or a case is wrong. I'm presenting my thoughts. Casey is going to present his thoughts to the extent that we agree or disagree or engage in discussion. I hope that if you listen and you hear my thought process and approach and what I hope is critical thinking of these issues is as you formulate your opinions of the constitution, Supreme court cases and American and America and being American, um, take a lot of time in thinking and try drawing connections to beliefs, to supporting ideas and do research, even though I didn't get into a lot. I read, I don't know, all, all the notes. Well, I 
reviewed every day of Madison's notes, and I read a great portion of them, um, which I didn't even get into in here, but I, I've read a great deal of Locke's work, Hume's work, um, some Kant. Um, I reviewed the Constitution. Uh, I read a pretty interesting article, article um, concerning the size of America uh, and whether it's an tenable size that was published in the Boston Law uh, Review a number of years ago. Uh, which that should that will be an interesting episode where uh, if you when people discuss the the, the the great experiment of America and the founding fathers creating this government that would last in perpetuity, you know, there's actually uh, Madison notes a conversation where they're discussing how do we how do we create what how do we add representatives as the population grows and one Mister Gorham uh, says. It is not to be supposed that the government will last so long as to produce this effect, meaning this effect was the concern about as the population grows, will the House of Representatives become an untenable size? Will it just grow to infinite numbers? So he's saying it's not to be supposed that the government's going to be, we're not thinking the government's going to be around that long to worry about the size of the House of Representatives. He goes further. Can it be supposed that this vast country, including the Western territories, which at that point would be to the Mississippi, so you know, essentially not even the full length of the Midwest, um, will last 150 years, hence remain one nation? So they weren't even thinking that in 150 years from, so you know, they're looking at 1950, they didn't even envision that America would remain one nation. Um, and then that that remark, which is is not rejected by all in whole, and there's no great commotion, at least observed by Madison, um, Mr. Ellsworth, who was a who was a uh, member of the Constitutional Convention, simply retorts: If the government should continue so long, alterations may be made in the Constitution in the matter proposed in subsequent article. So they were thinking, well, you know, there if. If we are around that long, they'll change this uh, document to fit the needs of the time. Um, so that's that will be an interesting conversation. Hopefully we can do an episode about the American experiment has its run its course. Was it even meant to be this long? Um, and uh, you know, what, what, was, what was the view of the founding fathers in how a nation... Would it be able to last at this, at its at the current size and makeup? But that would be for another time. Um, so I'll conclude this with whether or not you think we should revere the founding fathers. What you believe? Challenge that perspective because I try to challenge mine. And my ultimate answer is yes. And think about how you can defend against opposition. How, how can you provide support for your answer rather than presenting arguments against your opponents? And as always, till next time, know you're right.
thanks to Ian and Casey for sharing this episode. I love the podcast, and I hope that some of you give it a chance. Go listen to it. As for Texas History Lessons, we'll be back very soon with a variety of episodes that I've been working on for quite a while, including some interviews with some authors. Thanks to Derek McClendon for composing and performing the Texas History Lessons theme music. And thanks to everyone that helps the show through Patreon or buying me a cup of coffee. Thanks for listening. Let's end this episode with a song by Texas History Lessons spotlight artist Mondo Salas and his band Rosemond. And this song is one of my favorites, Devil's River. And why not? Let's add a little bit extra. After that song, we're going to have another song by Derek McClendon. That's another one of my favorites by him. And this one is The Ballad of the Young Cowboy. Thanks again for listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Be kind. Adios. Mama, I'm going to the river, going so far away. Headed where the catfish jump, where the coyote pups out yesterday. tried my best to keep his spirit alive giving all of my strength keep the thieves out of my family's mind no I tried my best now never was good So rivers where I play
saddlebags and headed out into that setting sun It was a west and only west and I couldn't rest until my job was done I had to find the man that killed my brother and I had to bring him in He was wanted alive or dead and I had me burning rage within Can't you see what it means to me That justice to serve for family That evil man killed my best friend And I'm gonna shoot him dead Yeah, I'm gonna shoot him dead Justice to serve for family 
you evil man You killed my best friend And I'm gonna shoot you dead Yeah, I'm gonna shoot you dead Justice will serve for family That evil man Killed my best friend And I had to shoot him dead Yeah, I had to shoot him dead Yeah, I had to shoot him dead 